It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are at FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, Julie from Valentine, and she's got a problem with dogs destroying a lawn. Julie, how can we help you? Oh, hi, Scott. I'm just ringing up to see if you can give me some advice. I've got a um, buffalo lawn at home, and I've inherited a couple of dogs off my lovely teenage children. Mm -hmm. Um, The dogs are absolutely running the lawn to death, and I know it's not growing time, but I'm just wondering what I could do to put on it. The yard's just become, in most areas, like a mud patch. Yeah, that, that's a really difficult one. I mean, apart from a leash, there's not much else you can do for your grass, especially buffalo, because buffalo does become incredibly dormant. I mean, it, it's like Jeff from the Wiggles, you know, of, of grass. It just will not wake up in winter. It, it yeah. stays asleep. Uh, it doesn't grow, so it gets those wear patches. You know, if you've got your clothesline, you walk on there, it just wears away. Uh, if you get uh, bindi and clover taking over, um, it, it just won't come back for you. And if you've got dogs running around, um, not much you're going to be able to do about that. I thought your problem might have been that they were peeing, and, and then you can use, you know, lime and uh, other sort of uh, things to try and get it under control. But if they're just generally running around on buffalo, especially when it's wet and cold and damp like it is at the moment, uh, not, yeah. not too much you can do, unfortunately. Uh, the best I could say to you is uh, let it go bad uh, and then get some turf rolls uh, once we get back into the warmer months and give it a try then and try and resurrect your lawn. Uh, or... In the alternative, if you're going to have these dogs for a while, it might be best to get rid of your buffalo and try a, a lawn like Cooch or even Kai Q. But Cooch is generally the toughest lawn, uh, you know, for wearing. Uh, so, it, and it, it tends to keep on growing as well uh, through the winter months. But buffalo, it just stops dead. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really sorry about that. I have no uh, sort of plant-based answer for you about the canine <laughs> critters. <laughs> No, they're good terrorists, aren't they? <laughs> they? They can be at this time of year. They both they just want to run around. They get a bit bored. You know, it's wet. But unfortunately, they are doing that damage to the grass. Yeah, yep. Okay, no okay. worries. Thank you for your help. Well, we didn't help much, but thank you for the call anyway, Julie. Okay, okay. cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. And we've got Bill from Dudley, and he's got some advice about buffalo lawn. Uh, Bill, shed some light on the problem, please. Yeah, Scott, look, it's just something that we've done. We've had dogs all the time and big dogs as well. Buffalo does take a hiding, but yes. if you mix in Kaikuyu with it, um, uh, it'll fill the gap. Yeah, okay, yeah. That, look, that, that's a good idea, isn't it? So just uh, give up on having a pure buffalo lawn and mix some other sort of uh, grass in there with it. Mix it together, and even you know when the Kaikuyu burns off in the summer, the buffalo goes strong. Yep. And uh, Kaikuyu fills in for the winner. Yeah, look, I remember there was a uh, there was a, a buffalo that they tried to release at one point in time. I think it was called you know Winter Master or something like that. And uh, yeah. uh, I remember uh, my mum and dad were doing some uh, housing, like they were building their house at the time. And they put down different strips of different grass because they were you know turfing out at the same time. And the uh, the winter one, I think, was actually the worst. It browned off the most in winter and didn't yeah. do very well. All right. <laughs> But that, we found that a good mix anyway in Dudley. Okay, that's great. Thanks very much for that, Bill. All right, Scott. Okay. okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. There you go. Just as simple as mixing them together. Yes, it's uh, like a cocktail of grasses. Just a very cheap cocktail, the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a very good idea. Excellent. We've got Karen now from Rutherford, and she needs advice about stopping a cat using pot plants as kitty litter. We're on a certain theme here today. Karen, how can we help you? 
Yes, thanks, Scott. I've got one indoor cat. She never, ever, ever goes outside. And if she does escape, she just freezes. Yeah. Now, she's got two kitty litters, and I found one she does a urine in, and the other one she does number two. Yep. But she also uses my palms that I've got inside. And I've got five of them, and she constantly keeps, well, it's not just the palm, it's that other, whatever that other plant is over there, but there's six plants that she constantly keeps using. Uh, so she does want to get out and scratch her hand in the dirt. Oh, does she? Well, she's not. <laughs> Uh, look, there there are uh, products you can get uh, like Deter. There's another uh, product uh, which uh, is like a, a gel, a citrusy smelling gel, and you can put that around the top of the plant, and hopefully that will deter her from uh, doing her business in in the top of the plants. They, they, these products don't harm the the plants at all, but you have to be persistent with them. There's, it's not something you can just use as a one off. You just have to keep on using it there to try and keep the animal away from the plant. Okay, and where do I get these products? Uh, look, pet store? Yeah, look, a pet store, but I would go probably to uh, like your independent garden centre first, uh, and they should okay. have something to help you out with that. The only real garden centre we've got close here is Bunnings. Oh, yes, but you could go down to uh, uh, Heritage Gardens down at East Maitland. Way down there. Yeah, okay. I'm sure. That's not, it's not that far. <laughs> it's not that far, but look, they'll be able to help you out down About there. Half hour. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks. Okay. No worries. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for that, Karen. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We've got Cole from Saltash. And, Scott, he's got a question about finger limes. Hello, Cole. How can we help, mate? I've got a, uh, a really good uh, finger lime growing in a 50-litre barrel. Yeah, very good. Uh, it flowered just recently, and it's absolutely smothered in little fruit. It's, I doubt if they'll all set. But Anyway, I just wanted to know about fertilising. Just normal citrus food in about um, spring or just the manure in the spring and then the citrus food later. Yeah, so look, I'm always really wary about uh, fertilising plants that are in a pot with straight manure or also with the citrus food as well. I think it's always important that you use a slow-release fertiliser when you're fertilising plants in pots. Uh, And same with citrus trees as well. Um, So finger limes are actually a native Australian little thing. Mm, I'm worried about the nitrogen, you know, because they don't like chicken manure. Yeah, so so you can't really do that. Um, But other citrus do love uh, chicken manure. They love that nitrogen in there. But uh, with your finger limes, you have to be a little bit careful about them. I would be inclined to uh, go and get a product called Sudden Impact. It's actually made for roses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a slow-release fertiliser, and I think it would be ideal to use on your finger limes. Excellent. Yeah. And timing? Sorry, say, say that again, please. Timing? Oh, timing, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, I would do it about uh, three times a year. Okay. So just space that out. Usually when a plant's uh, out in flower and ready to fruit, you tend not to fertilise at that point in time because the fertiliser shock then can make it drop mm. its fruit. So try and time it so that yeah. uh, when you're fertilising, you're avoiding that area, uh, that time sure. period when you're going to, you know you're going to have some uh, flowers and fruit on there. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Okay. Good on you. Very nice plant to have. They, uh, it's it like is. A, it's a lovely one. Yeah. It's like a little lime caviar, isn't it, when it, when it, it comes is, out? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really no, really, very nice. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Thanks, that Cole. Cheers. Cheers.
I don't think I've had a finger lime before. No, okay, they're just a long little plant, and when you open them up, the little fruit, yep. uh, it is, it's like little caviar beads inside there, and they just sort of explode in your mouth, and you, people put them in cocktails and in uh, oh, you right. know, salads and things. Yeah, really nice, very easy to look after. Excellent. Yeah. Might be something to look into. Yes, very. you could have one up at your place along with your chili plant. Side by side. Side by side. Finger just, limes and chili plants. Just the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Maxine now from Singleton. And she needs advice to get rid of clover. Well, she thinks it's clover. Oh. <laughs> Maxine, describe what you've got then. Well, it's, uh, you know how clover sort of comes tall? Yes. This one's short. It's only half an inch to an inch tall, yeah. if that. And it's grown in clumps and it's got three little green leaves on the top. And it's spread right across the back lawn. Yeah, okay. And it looks like the old four-leaf clover that Paddy would um, you know, get and find have some good luck with. Well, it's only three leaves on each one. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, look, that, it does sound like you've got a clover variety in your lawn, and it does spread out at this time of year. It sort of stays yeah, low, yeah, and almost under the mowing blades. Uh, what happens uh, is that it spreads out, and your lawn in underneath tends to start to die off. So once it gets hot again and that clover, it, burn, it, it burns off with the heat, you'll find you'll have bare patches with your lawn, then bindies and all sorts of other weeds come in and take over. So uh, even though it's winter, you're not out on your lawn, it is important to get out there and keep that clover under control. Uh, so you do have to spray with a, a Bindian clover killer. There are many, many different ones out there on the market. Uh, but if you turn them over and have a look on the instructions, uh, it should say that it's going to kill uh, you know, Bindies and clover, and that's, that's fine to use on your lawn. Now, the only thing I would give you as a proviso is that uh, you have to be careful about uh, the type of lawn you've got and using some chemicals on there. Uh, for instance, buffalo lawn only likes to be sprayed once or twice a year with certain chemicals. Uh, so you have to be careful that you can actually use it on certain lawns when you... Uh, but the best thing to do is just go and uh, get some advice from your local garden centre and they'll right. uh, steer you in the right direction as to the chemical you need and how to use it properly. Right. So you reckon bindi eye would do? Uh, yes, if you've got bindi, that should do the, do the trick for you. Uh, the other thing is to make sure you haven't mowed. People often mow. And what you, you're actually doing then is cutting the leaves off the top of the, the weed uh, and then it's not going to be absorbed in. So make sure that you've got a little bit of growth on the uh, on the clover and then spray over that. Hopefully there's no uh, rain within about five hours and, <laughs> and you'll get a very good result. I can't guarantee that at the moment. The shower's coming in across all the time. But, uh, yes, I know. Yeah, it's a bit like that. But look, I'd be waiting for a nice sunny day and, uh, you, know, and you know that the weather forecast... Uh, and the weather forecasters, they all know their job very, very well, are telling you it's going to be a couple of days, um, you know, with sunny conditions, and then give it a spray. Okay, then, Scott. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye. I was talking about Gavin Morris then. He's very good weather forecaster. He's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you were looking at me then. I've gone, that was a bit... No, well, I'm sure. <laughs> Your level of weather forecasting is not quite as high as Gav's. It's up there. It's up there. Just a, It's just a nose in front. Speaking of clover, did yes. you used to look through it as a kid trying to find the four-leaf ones? Yeah, I remember sitting there, you know, you'd be in school, you know, be in the assembly sitting or something, sitting out in the grass and, you know, what am I going to do? I'm really bored. You know, teachers, you know, blathering on about this Rubbing or that. on about something. Yeah, yeah, so I'd always go through the clover and try and find the four-leaf. I'd scout for ages. Yeah, once or twice I think I found them, So, but I'm not a lucky person. I don't think I ever did, so no. really wasted a lot of time <laughs> Look looking at for us four-leaf clovers. Us down on our lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's Gardening Talkback on 2 FM, and we've got Ron from Madawi, and he's got a question about citrus fruits. Hello, Ron. How can we help, mate? 
Oh, good day, Scott. Um, mate, I've got uh, a lime tree and a lemon tree. They're about, I don't know, four, four or so metres apart. As the, um, as the lime tree, as the fruit um, matures, they start to taste like lemons. <laughs> uh, look, no, I don't know what I've done. Oh, look, I, I don't know that it's because your plants are close together. I think, look, in my experience, when you leave a lime in the fruit bowl for too long and it does start to go that yellowy colour, that real tangy taste goes away from it. I, I don't I don't know that you're having hybridisation between your lime and your lemon at this time. I, 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 I'm no expert, actually. I'm no, I guess the bees could be taking the pollen from next door to there. But, it, look, that, that would be a very strange thing. I, I would think it's just that as they mature, that that tangy taste goes away from, from the lime um, because it's gone a little bit overripe. Oh, okay. Simple as that. Yeah, that, 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 that's my feeling about it. If, once that lime starts to, you know, get that yellow tinge to it, that's when yes. that real tanginess goes away from them. Yeah, yeah, and it really starts to taste like a, a lemon after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah very okay. very interesting, yeah. It'd be, it'd be nice if they were, uh, just because the bees were taking the pollen from back, you know, back to forth, you were changing the uh, the taste, but I don't I don't think it's quite that, uh, it's quite that simple. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Okay. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks for that, Ron. Cheers. Okay. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers, Ron. Speaking of citrus, you were talking about mandarins earlier. Yes, I was talking about mandarins earlier because it's lovely and crisp and cool at the moment, and what a perfect time to be out there picking your mandarins off the tree. Uh, We know they always taste a bit better when you've picked them fresh yourself. Yes. Yes, I've I've never picked a fresh mandarin. Well, it's not, you know, you haven't had it picked and stuck into a a cold storage room for a a month or so, whatever they do with fruit these days. I'm I'm sure to get them around, you know, fruit around the country, they have to do weird and wonderful things. We all know that it's not as good as just picking it out of the garden, tomatoes, chilies, all those sort of things. But there you look, mandarins are really easy plant to look after, a nice citrus tree to have in the... uh, in the uh, garden there's a number of varieties you can get so uh, you can get them starting to bear their fruit in uh, april and they'll go all the way through to late october obviously the ones that uh, bear i guess about this time now you're going to get a better taste because of the cold uh, giving them that chill and that nice refreshing crisp taste that they get Uh, i don't know about me about you but for me uh, I like imperial mandarins yep Uh, it's nothing to do with the taste it's just that they're a lot easier to peel okay where do you sit on the peeling of the mandarin if it's an easy peel yeah perfect yeah but now it's the i don't like the name that imperial it sounds a bit uh, elitist yeah it does yeah but look it, that's the one where you, the, the skin's all puffy on it and you sort of just pop your thumb through that top part and then yep. it just almost flakes off so it's really easy to uh, to peel i don't like those thin skin ones where you have to sort of get your fingernails in there and, and, and go right underneath and yeah because you don't want to pop the the fruit no no definitely not for me and uh, look, I'll always say that I prefer the mandarin over the orange as well. Oranges are good for juicing, but uh, for peeling, no way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've got to get a knife out. Yeah. It's a bit too hard basket. It is. The orange. Your hands are always, you know, sticky and sort of soggy from the juice going everywhere. Definitely for peel, uh, for uh, juicing, but not for peeling. So yeah, look, mandarins, nice full sun position, uh, well drained spot, plenty of poultry manure. Any citrus tree loves poultry manure, except for the finger limes we were talking about earlier. And uh, keep it pruned after uh, after you finish fruiting and flowering, and you'll have a nice compact little tree for next year. I, th- I think they're one of the easiest citrus to look after, and uh, look always get good fruit off them and are very easy to look after they look nice too because yesterday when i was in sydney mm. my friend's house in the middle on one side was a mandarin tree and yep. the other side had a mandarin so they must have 
struck a deal at something, but <laughs> just two big mandarin trees, like in the in between the trees. And, and was it full of fruit? Yeah, yeah, and it right looked, to the top. Yeah, it looks really great too. Mm. Nice and orange against the green. Yeah, really easy, lovely plant to, to look after. Got the double take though. I thought it was an orange, but did you go out there and have some? No, no. I had to. I would mean had to jump the fence. Oh, it's, look, I always remember the old-fashioned ones where you have to go and, you know, sort of get the thin skin off, and I'm just against those. So, yeah, always Mandarin Imperial for me. It's the thick-skinned. And with oranges, you have to go to a dark corner somewhere and eat them, really, because yeah. it's all messy and it's all... It's, yeah, it's all over your face. So, yeah, it's not a, not a good thing. Mandarins, you can just sit there and... Yep. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's a gardening talk back on 2 RFM. We've got Patricia from Warrabrook, and she's got a question about hibiscus. Patricia, how can we help? Uh, hi, Scott. Um... My hibiscus is dropping all its flowers all the time. Um, I can't; they don't stay on the tree very well. And I was just wondering if it's too bushy or whether it needs a feed of something. I'm not sure what what to do with it. Yeah. With uh, hibiscus trees, they don't, you know, they never really hold their flowers for a great deal of time. Heaps of flowers, really beautiful. But I guess if you get, you know, two or three days out of a hibiscus flower, uh, you know, they just don't last on the, on the uh, plant for very long at all. Uh, yeah, these are falling off before they even open up. Uh, okay, so look, I, I think you probably need to get some sulphate of potash, which helps yep. promote uh, fruiting and flowering in plants, and it just generally makes for a stronger and more abundant flower on your plant. So I'd be going getting some of that sulphate of potash. Uh, okay. It's not one of those things where you just use it once. You have to start building it up in the soil. So if yeah. you were to do that now, by the time we get around to hibiscus uh, flowering season again next year, uh, it will they'll be much stronger and they'll, they'll hang on there a lot longer for you. Oh, okay. Well, I've got the gardener coming around soon. We live in a complex and he's going to be doing all the pruning, so he'll probably prune it down a bit for me as well. Yeah, look, and a, a hibiscus do love a prune, uh, but they, they are a short flowering uh, plant. Uh, as, yep. as far as the length of time the uh, flower actually sits on the tree, uh, but otherwise, yeah, very, very beautiful and lots of different okay, varieties. Okay, then I'll, yeah. I'll get the pot, uh, potash and put around it. Um, also, I've got, um, because we're in a complex, there's a lot of gardens in the uh, common areas, yes. but they're all full of onion weed, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of some quick way of getting rid of the onion weed out of them. No, no quick way to get rid of onion weed. The best thing oh, to do is, <laughs> is, yeah, is to spray with uh, Roundup, um, you know, very carefully. Uh, yep. And never spray Roundup around roses. You have to be very careful about that. But certainly digging out onion weed is not the way to go. Okay. No worries. Thanks, okay. Scott. Thanks for that, Patricia. Okay, bye. I thought I, uh, I did very well then. I went through a whole segment about hibiscus and didn't mention Magnum PI once. Exactly. Well, you just have. Oh, damn. There we go. <laughs> Guarding talk back on 2 RFM. If still got time for a couple more calls. And we've got Emmanuel from Bado Bay. And he has got a question about the Mandarin tree. Emmanuel, how can we help? Yeah, good afternoon, Scott. Uh, I got a mandarin, she's three-year-old. And last year, done a few, and there was uh, not sweet. Yes. And this year, she got plenty, and it's the same. Is it going to uh, change, or, or is it not good? I, li- I don't like it uh, sour. Oh, I'd say, do you prefer it sour or sweet? Sweet, I prefer yeah, sweet, abs- but it's not. Absolutely. Uh, look, uh, with your mandarin, I, I think that's mostly down to the climate. Uh, and like we were talking oh. about earlier, if you get, we get nice, cool conditions, that's when you get your nice, sweet mandarin and sweet oranges. But if it's, yeah. if it's been hot and you haven't had the cold conditions, then you will get a slightly more sour mandarin. 
The other thing you can do as well is just make sure that you add some lime around the soil of your plant. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I also, give it manure. Yeah, are you giving a poultry manure? Yeah, I give it a chicken manure. Excellent, yes, you're giving it exactly the right thing. Uh, look, a dusting, yeah. a, a dusting of lime around your uh, citrus tree every now okay. and again won't hurt yeah. at all. But again, okay, look, mate, you, you just have to wait uh, and hope that, you know, the, uh, it's going to be cold enough for you. Okay, I'll give it another year because, like I say, you know, it got plenty this year. I give it to my uh, son-in-law because I don't like him. So, uh, so I yeah, know, I like no, his sweet. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks, Scott, okay. mate. Have a nice evening. Okay, thanks, okay, Emmanuel. Bye. Thanks for the call, mate. Bye-bye. Well, we've got Lee now from Cameron Park, and they've got a, some advice about Imperial Mandarins. Aha. Uh-huh. Lee, help us, please. Hello, yes. Scott. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I'm fresh import from Canberra, so we get nice mandarins down there. You will, nice and cold down there. (laughs) I'm way, as I said to the lady earlier, I'm still waiting for winter. (laughs) Um, You are, (laughs) yes. (laughs) With regard to the imperial mandarins, I'm a real fan of them myself. Um, Something I came across a long time ago in South Australia, and we've done as well, when you end up with a crop which is well in a... Um, in advance of what you need for your own um, benefit and you have to start giving them all away to people Yes, um, is to get them all together and peel them all and segment them all and put a handful into a Ziploc bag and throw them into the freezer. Ah, I've often wondered about freezing citrus fruit. So you think that that, that works, doesn't it? And when they come back Ah. out, they're still nice and fresh. Absolutely, and there's nothing better than a little mandarin icicle to give the kids. Yeah, that's a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, a bag full of little mandarin segments, all frozen. You can give them out to the kids in hot summer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, that's a little suggestion that I came across probably 40 years ago now. But, right. yeah. Lee, you have absolutely sold me. So, look, there, some wisdom does come out of Canberra, apparently. <laughs> I'm not a Canberran native. I come from here. <laughs> uh, you sure you weren't the Prime Minister down there for a while with that sort of wisdom? Uh, no, we had a lot of boxes of rotten tomatoes sitting around waiting for... <laughs> uh. <laughs> we won't go into that. The big house on the hill steams a lot. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, thanks for that advice about the mandarins. That's, that's a very, very good idea. I'm going to employ that myself. All right. You have a good one, Scott. Okay. Thanks for the call. Bye. Bye-bye. It sounds like a great idea. It may, does sound, yeah. may as well give it a go. Yeah, that would uh, improve the economy, do all sorts of things, won't it? Yes. Yes, another idea from Canberra. <laughs> so Lee's got his full of them. <laughs> We've got Marlene from Mayfield now, and she's got a question about the ficus tree. Marlene, how can we help you? Um, yeah, hi, Scott. Um, I have this ficus tree that's probably 20 years old, and it's been sitting in a pot quite happily, and all of a sudden it's dropped all its leaves. Okay, so when you say uh, ficus tree, it's one of the uh, evergreen ones that grow into a big tree, is it? Um, yeah, well, it sort of started out as a miniature Christmas tree many years ago, yeah, um, and it's just—it's probably about a uh, metre and a half tall, and it's been sitting in a pot quite happily, and its leaves are all green and glossy, and then probably a week ago, all the leaves just dropped. Okay. Look, the, the poor thing, it's been sitting in that same pot for a while as well, so it might be a little bit hungry as well. Have you been feeding it with anything? Yeah, yeah, I've been um, giving it um, the um, little pellet, pellet um, osmocote. Yep, that, no, that's a good idea because uh, look at any plant in a pot uh, using slow-release fertiliser is a really good idea. Uh, 
Look, the only thing some um, ficus trees don't like is the cold and they mm. will drop their leaves with that. But that said, yeah. I mean, you've gone through 20 years now of, yeah, you know, hot and cold. Yeah, sat there. Hasn't, hasn't done that. I would no. grab some secateurs and just go out and make sure that it's still green on the inside and it's not dying off. No. Um, make sure that the hole in the bottom is still draining out water as well, that it's not, you know, got too much water in, that it's sitting there and it's all soggy yeah. and rotting away. Uh, but otherwise, it might be time to give it a... Can you pull it out? Is it too big to pull out and repot? Or? Um, yeah, I can try. Yeah. <laughs> I can try, yeah. That, that mightn't hurt. Pull it out, give it a root prune, put some fresh potty mix in there for it, um, just plenty of water and see how you go again. Mm, okay, yeah. it has. A, I had a look at it yesterday and it does seem to have a few new little green shoots on it, so okay. maybe it's... I'm not really sure what's happened to it. Yeah, look, it could have dried out as well. That's the other thing. It's, you know, if it's not too wet, it could have dried out, and that's, it's going to shed its leaves if it's dried out and stressed. Mm. And uh, you know, we've had a lot of wind. Uh, so, look, I'd just keep on watering it, give it a very light shave back. Uh, if you feel like giving it a repot, do so. Uh, but I, look, if it has got some green shoots on there, I'd just uh, wait and see, and it might just and come see back what for happens. you. Yeah. Okay, then. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for that, Marlene. Okay. Bye. Bye. I think we've got time for one more call, Scott. Squeeze him in. And we've got Barry from Caves Beach, and he's got a question about spinach. How can we help you with the, with the Barry? Scott, uh, I've grown spinach for four years, and this year the spinach has turned around and some has grown, but most of the others, the leaves have gone hard. Yeah, Okay. So what am I missing out on? Uh, it sounds like you almost know you'd know what you're doing with. You've been doing it for so long. Uh, it, the leaves have just gone hard. What hard and bitter or hard and bitter? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I I can only give general advice on that as far as just making sure that your watering's been good, that you've been fertilising uh, in a in a general way. Um, is there anything different you've done, or are they in a different position? These plants, or they're in a different. Position, yeah, but they've been getting plenty of blood and bone mm-hmm. and uh, fertilizer. But they, I had spinach that was growing up to two foot tall. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, and now it's only about a foot high. Right, okay. So it's it, and in that and it was growing up to two foot tall in that position last year, was yes. it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, all I can suggest is uh, pulling those ones out, um, giving them another try. Make sure you fertilise the ground with um, some nice poultry manure because they do love the nitrogen uh, uh-huh. in the soil. And uh, that, with that, that's a very unusual one, mate. I'll have a think about that. We might even have a talk about it next week. We'll, we'll talk about spinach in general and the Popeye food. Yes. Yeah. All right, thanks very much, Okay, so Scott. listen in next week. We'll try and help you out with it, Barry. All right, thanks, Thank you. Scott. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Barry. Scott Sharp, sadly, we are out of time for another week. Oh, it's no good. It goes so quick. It's flown by. It does. All that Mandarin talk, though. That was a very good idea from Lee. I love that one. Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll try that. We'll try that, yeah. We'll have it in the freezer here. And then in summer, we'll go, we'll do a taste test. Yeah, we'll see if they still stay fresh. <laughs> Scott Sharp, I'll see you again next week. Talk to you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.